Dear young people. Don't vote. Don't vote. Everything's fine the way it is. Trump, that was us. He's our guy. Tax cuts for the rich? <laughs> Hell yeah, I'm rich as fuck. Climate change? That's a you problem. I'll be dead soon. Sure, school shootings are sad. But I haven't been in a school for 50 years. I can't keep track of which lives matter. Sure you don't like it. So, you'll like some meme on Instagram. If the weather is nice, maybe you could go to one of those little marches. You might even share this video on Facebook. But you won't vote. You young people never do. But I do. I do. I do. Midterms, primaries. Every single election. We'll be there, but you won't. Because we're a generation of doers. Not whiners. And we're doing great. Don't boo. Vote. What the hell is that? What would you say you do here? It's Stone's Weekly Dose. Very hard to say my name correctly. Like Brian. Yeah, <laughs> Brian. Yeah. What's your deal, man? Your midweek download destination. I like his style. It's a sort of casual elegance. I'm slaying lame and I'm exposing frauds. This is pathetic. This is embarrassing. Mic drop. Turn off the podcast. It's Stone's Weekly Dose. And note to self, don't give up your opportunity to make a small difference in vote. Also, don't die. Welcome in to the Stone On Air podcast, the midweek download destination for thousands in the Chattanooga area. The supposed for-profit venture known as, for this week anyway, the weekly dose for October 24th. What the, a difference a year makes. That and many more things coming up on today's show. I'll have a pretty uh, simple three-segment show for you this week. Can't believe it's already, I mean, it's Halloween in a damn week. We'll be midterm elections in two weeks. With that being said and on my mind right now, I do plan on doing something on the 6th. I'll be recording it that night and having it available for download first thing Wednesday morning, really first thing meaning like right after midnight, maybe 1 o'clock at the latest. And at the um, beginning of of the planning sessions of why I was going to do what I was going to do and when I was going to do it, as far as the standalone podcast went in the neighborhood of two years ago now, one reason I decided to make for a Wednesday um, download is because, well, lots of different small reasons that aren't not as important as, well, I guess they're all small importance that all equal up together. I just thought it was, a, after doing some research, the perfect day, right in the middle of the week, um, just trying to get over the hump, if you will, as they like to say. And because all elections are on Tuesdays, or at least most elections of of noteworthiness for a podcast anyway, are Tuesdays. So to be able to do a, a show anytime that there's a, an election going on and to have an immediate, um, not live response, but as close as you can get, I thought was important. So that's going to, I believe, uh, it's going to turn out to be just that here in two weeks. So the, the, the election extravaganza, if you will, and uh, then the fallout the week after that. So coming up on today's show, in the second segment of the show, I'm going to have some fun with Don Trump and Ted Cruz and go digging back into the audio vault. And it's not going to be much of anything that you've never heard before, but just kind of relive how much these two hated each other and then just kind of talk about how ridiculous it is, the nature of American politics all the way around and how the other day they're, you know, we love each other, we're the best. We love, you know, go fight, win. And it just, it really is nauseatingly stupid what we do in this country. And I, I almost, you know, at one point used to be like, don't support this mess, but I think you have an obligation. I think we all have an obligation to at least uh, contribute since we are given the right to do so uh, as far as voting is concerned. And I will tell you in the second segment how politicians are like sports front offices, major league professional sports front offices, what do those executive types have in common with American politicians? I'll do that in the second segment. In the third segment, I'm going to hate on the lottery a little bit and hate on gambling all the way around and just have a little bit of fun with 
the one point six umpteen billion uncountable jillion dollars that is, uh, I guess, by the time you hear this, there might be a winner or winners at that point. Um, the biggest um, road I'm going to go down in this third segment is it wasn't you and it wasn't me and it wasn't anybody else that you know either. And that's the uh, the greater point overall with some other little uh, bullet points in there as I'll uh, get to that in the final segment of the show. And on the front end here, in the open, I'm just going to hit on four things, and I'll just give you real quick in, in order what they are. The 420 Sweetwater lineup for uh, April of next year has been announced. CFC and Red Wolves update. WGOW, Asshat, Brian Joyce, and the, re- the replacement that they put on in the afternoon. And where I was one year ago, t- well, today, actually more officially yesterday, October 23rd, and what a difference a year can make and what really a difference a year and a half and closer to two years can really make. Things were nowhere where I wanted them to be at one point not that long ago, and then all of a sudden, snap of the fingers, quite not quite literally, but it felt that way, and then just like that, things are fixed and things are good. And that's I've had those examples in my life plenty of times, and I think a lot of us have, and we think we can never – Get over this hump. We can never get back to where we want to be. And if and if you got if you're fortunate enough and you've got options in the drive, sometimes you can. So that will be on the tail end of this. So the 420 uh, lineup is out. And if you guys remember, the first time that I got credentialed on my own, media credentialed on my own, without a radio station to back me up, was the 420 festival, which will be two years ago, come this April in 17. I submitted a uh, an application through the media section of their website and they granted me media credentials and that finally you know after the the year I had had trying to gain legitimacy and and credibility as a as a freelance style media member to be able to be granted credentials on my own meant the world to me so I did the show down there gave them all kinds of love and uh, I think they appreciated the little bit of interaction I had I mean it seemed like they did and so I will definitely be back in Atlanta at Centennial Park in April of next year to, to likely, I'd love to take the show down there, do a show again, have some more people on talking legalization of marijuana, Earth Day, um, all the things that come along with the 420 weekend and the glorious nature that is April of every year. Widespread Panic will be there next year. Jason Isbell, Les Claypool, Keller Williams, Uh, I'm blanking because I'm only going on memory, but they only announced a small initial lineup, and then they have another big addition come at the turn of the calendar. So I am pretty excited about that and look for a big tour stop in April down at Centennial Park. So I'll stretch out on this for just a couple of minutes. Chattanooga Football Club and the Chattanooga Red Wolves Soccer Club rivalry, if you will. So the latest, it's now came uh, down nearly a week ago. It was on Thursday. I hate when a big story that I really want to talk about comes out on a Wednesday evening or a Thursday because I have a week before I can get to it. And by the time I get to it, sometimes it's not really a thing anymore. But that's just the nature of this uh, of this medium and this platform and this industry. It's once a week. It's every Wednesday. That's with a few pop-ups every now and again, but that's pretty much how it's going to stay. So what has happened now is that the Red Wolves have said that they're going to build their own soccer-specific stadium ready for the 2020 season. Now, we all know it's 2019 in two months. The 2020 season will start in the spring of 2020, meaning that's 12, uh, what, 12 plus 6 is 18, 18 months away roughly, and they're saying they're going to have a state-of-the-art soccer-specific stadium, including fan zones, uh, luxury boxes, uh, ample seating, uh, adequate everything, it's state-of-the-art, right? State-of-the-art, comprehensive, uh, put-together stadium in 18 months. I'll come back to what I think about that in a minute. What has happened here, and this is me just going right off the cuff and full conjecture, but here's what I believe happened. The Chattanooga, I'm not going to do a bunch of backstory on this. If you don't know, then go look, but likely you already know about the way the wars of these two 
these two entities have become in the last however many months it's been. People from inside the CFC went outside to bring in and buy the rights and 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 bring this this quote unquote professionally recognized by a U.S. soccer professional team while CFC is still not. Then the presumably the battle was going to be over where who plays at at Finley Stadium. There's not enough room for Mox football, Mox soccer, uh, CFC women's soccer, CFC men's soccer, and Chattanooga Red Wolves soccer. There's just there's just likely not enough room. And there's been fighting on the board of directors inside of Finley Stadium. I know that for a fact. I won't get into the details because a lot, most of that is off the record. But there, there, there's a lot of disagreement within the uh, inside of the, the the Finley Stadium board of directors, and that led to a lot of these moves. And I think a lot of backroom handshakes, like, "Hey, we're going to make this work. We're going to make this work. You do that. We'll do this. We'll do that. I'll vote that. You vote that. We'll vote that." Well, all of a sudden. After the Chattanooga Red Wolves soccer team makes this big splash and Sean McDaniel goes over and he's the president and the GM and the, the man in charge who used to be from CFC, a founding member, na- member now uh, with the Red Wolves and given basically what appears to be full control. They're now saying, okay, we're going to build a new stadium. We're going to play at Chattanooga Christian for the 2019 season. What happened? What changed? Because I am of a firm belief that the Chattanooga Red Wolves, who didn't even have a name, of course, that might be part of where this team is going wrong. They're a little overzealous here. And I'm not trying to be a hater of this. I want I want thriving entities in this city of, of extracurricular activities everywhere. I want as many as you can get. And I'm a fan of soccer these days. I very much am. But there is not there is not a person that convinced that can convince me outside of people standing on those, sitting on those boards and coming to me and saying, Here's the actual truth. There's nobody else that can convince me other than they thought they had the rights to play at Finley Stadium locked up and ready to go on a handshake deal. Now, I pretty much know for a fact that they they were not in any position, the Finley Stadium board, to make that decision in a backroom deal. So while they didn't have it officially, I believe that many in power thought that they did. And the stadium, Finley Stadium, is owned by the city and the county. So the, the board members are, I guess, voted on, appointed. I'm not exactly sure, but they can be removed. They can absolutely be removed. And I am also of a firm belief, without having any evidence of this, well, no, I have evidence. I don't have any factual base sources and citations to give you. But I have enough conversations to firmly believe, firmly believe, that there's some people that, 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 that flex their muscles within the city and the county and said, yeah, you can vote this way if you'd like, or you can vote this way if you'd like. Each one of them has ramifications for your potential future. You make the decision. Now, again, conjecture. But is that cool? Is that am I am I okay with that kind of bureaucratic nature? No, not necessarily. Not the point. That's conversations not for right now. I still believe that's what happened. And I think that people realize they could not go against what was best in the best interest of the other board directors or board members, I should say, and everybody involved. And the petty nature of the arguments had to be, if not resolved, at least at least uh, some kind of semblance of being put away for now. So it looks like it's very, very wide open for the Chattanooga Football Club to continue playing at Finley Stadium. And as long as they can continue doing that, then their business model is intact. CFC could not go play anywhere else. The Chattanooga Red Wolves really, for the most part, they can because they're going to do it. But they really can't go anywhere else Anywhere else either. Finley Stadium was the one of the biggest selling point and factor to all this. The message boards have quieted. The uh, social media handles have have silenced a little bit, so it's not as hot a thread as it once was. But I believe that it it deep down in between closed doors really, really is, and the soccer wars are alive and well. And uh, I think it's going to work out well for the Chattanooga Football Club. I have reason to believe that that is very much true. Now, so the CF or the excuse me, the Red Wolves, what do they do? Here's what I think about this idea of them building a stadium. I don't believe it. I don't believe it for a second. 
I do not believe there's ever going to be a, well, maybe there'll be some kind of facility that they play in at some point. So let me rephrase. I do not believe that at any point there is going to be a world-class, state-of-the-art, soccer-specific stadium built just for the Red Wolf Soccer Club to play their home games in and then just whatever other just little auxiliary kind of events they have to offset costs, but overall a specifically built-for-soccer facility. I don't see it happening. I don't see five years from now there being Finley Stadium, a new Chattanooga Lookouts baseball stadium, which we all know is 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 imminent. It's coming. And also a soccer-specific stadium for a team that has no record of success in an upstart league. And um, I just don't. I just don't see it happening. I think they are grasping. I think they're going to try to get a season under their belt and see what happens. Uh, work the room however they can and go from there. But I think that the Chattanooga Red Wolves Soccer Club might have bitten off more than they can chew and came into a uh, a, a fight, a um, a battle, a completely unequipped to handle the powerful nature of the people that they were going up against. And again, another conversation for another day with bureaucracies and flexing your political and 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 financial muscles to get things done whether you deserve it or not is not the point on that end either whether that's you know ethical moral that's not that's not what we're talking about right here they came to a fight that they were not equipped with weaponry to go up against and i think they might have bitten off more than they can chew do i hope that no do i think that yes and uh we'll see what happens going forward so on to the third portion of the first segment of the show Good old frauds, Talk Radio 102.3 and WGOW has gone and misled their fan base and their listenership and their audience. Wouldn't be uh, <laughs> wouldn't be the fraud monster if they weren't misleading. So the other week, um, Brian Joyce has taken over. He is now the basically the flagship personality for uh, Talk uh, WGOW, as we all know. You know, Jeff is gone now and. Just oh god, this station's so awful. It's 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 so so much fun to watch uh, or listen to crash and burn. But he was still holding down the one to three, a two hour slot because these these morons have just messed up the day part so bad they don't even know what to do. Oh hey, who wants to do a show for two hours? We'll pay you twenty bucks a day, fifty bucks a day. I mean, they're just just amateurs, 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 amateurs. So they spend this lead up to. Um, saying that they're going to be bringing an old voice back from the past to take over for Joyce when he permanently takes over uh, mornings only 6 to 10 on the morning press, which they don't even bother to rename the show. They don't even try to rebrand the show. Haven't changed any of the imaging in 5 to 10 years. It's just pathetic. And I even got a few texts on my way back from Nashville um, for the Titans the other week saying, hey, are you coming back to talk? And I was like, fuck you, no. Have you not listened to anything I've said? Of course I'm not going. And what are you asking for? Wait, hold on. Why am I getting another text about this? Well, it's just because they were saying that a voice from the past was coming back. And so that would be, if you were to take some picks, Robert T. Nash, uh, Jammer, Stephanie Birmingham, Marianne Williams, Gary Poole, uh, uh, asshole Jerry Harvey. You could throw my name in there if you just wanted to use voices from the past. And maybe more. That's all it pops into my head, right? Andre McGarry, whoever else. And but I bought into it too. Hook line and maybe not quite hook line and sinker, but close. Like, what are they doing over there? What these misleading lying frauds have done has just plugged in Dave Ramsey, financial talk, same show every single day. Good message, good information, boring as hell show, same thing every day, and plug them in from 1 to 3, meaning that now Talk Radio 102.3 in Chattanooga from noon until 3, because that'll start with Let's Talk Money, quality programming with uh, my dear friend Jamie O'Donnell and her father, good friend of mine, Jim Place. They'll do the first hour live, local here, uh, financial talk, and then the next two hours, will be Dave Ramsey. Are you effing kidding me? And then that'll that will be the lead in to Sport Talk, which is with Dave Hooker on the show, is just just doesn't work for me. Love Scott, love Joe. Uh, Dave Hooker was trying to talk baseball the other day. Might as well have been trying to talk water polo or cricket. The guy didn't have any idea what he was talking about. But 
just uh just just more fraudulent uh programming fraudulent uh, mis- ways of of treating their their listenership they treat their listeners like they're losers and idiots and maybe they are maybe they are and so one more here on the on the way out here of the first segment one year ago what a difference a year makes uh yesterday I'm recording this actually on the 23rd so today specifically this is available on October 24th on the 23rd was my one year anniversary of both my two new jobs or my you know most recent jobs and a year and a half ago I didn't have a radio gig I didn't know if I could continue doing the podcast because it just wasn't making any money and I, I I don't know I was I was down on just overall everything I wasn't you know I wasn't a mess I just wasn't feeling good about a lot of things and I was concerned that I was going to lose my day job and if I lost my day job that was going to basically ruin everything and quite frankly could easily have ruined my immediate life um meaning foreclosure could have been in the in the future just there was a lot of stuff that was I'm not I'm not being overly dramatic at that time a year and a half ago leading up to the second half of last year of 17 I was uh I was really uh, concerned all the time and because my day job was getting bought out and and all that so towards the last third or a quarter at least, of 17, it started to look a little bit better. And I started to have, you know, interviewing for your own job. And then out of nowhere, I got a phone call or email or whatever it was from Danny Howard over at Bay Hackle Communications, and I got uh, a, a, asked to come back in for, like, the third interview I'd had in, like, a year and a half. And I was almost like, how many times are we going to do this? Do you want to hire me or not? I didn't do that attitude yet, but I was thinking in my head. I was like, how many times are we going to sit around a table and powwow, and then I never hear from you guys again? Well, this time was the last time. This time was you're hired if you want this job at Alt. And I was still in limbo with the day job of not knowing what my hours were, not knowing what my pay was going to be, not knowing uh, the exactly what my job title was going to be. And within a couple of days after that meeting with Danny and Bernie over there at Bayhackle, I got the heads up that here's what you're being paid, here's your hours. And here's your job title. And all in that week, which would have been about a, two weeks ago, one year ago, I, it all came together. And the dollars and cents all lined up. And the, uh, and the, and the job descriptions were all what I wanted. It was, it was quite remarkable how well it came together. And it gives me a renewed sense of, like, even if you get so down on yourself, like, oh, there's no chance it's ever going to work out, it still might. It still might, and one year ago, October 23rd, on the exact same day, a Monday, I started both new jobs. Cherokee Distributing's very first day was on October October 23rd. We had a cookout at the warehouse uh, on Monday f- for the celebration of it, and on that same afternoon was the first day that I was on in the afternoon on Alt 98.7 for the first time I've ever done daytime radio, that you know, day part radio that was drive time, that was all mine. It was a big day. It was a big week. It was a big time. And at that time, I don't think I could quite feel the uh, the importance of it because I was, I don't know, whirlwind. It was, it was a whirlwind of, of things to think about and and attention to be focused on, on the work itself. And a year later, I can look back and say, damn it, man, that went well. Damn it, man, that went well. And I'll put the wraps on it right there. I wasn't expecting to go 20-some-odd minutes for uh, all these topics, but... So I'll get out now. I don't remember why I picked fake plastic trees from Radiohead, but it's too late now. So we'll go out with fake plastic trees. Coming up next, I'll get to that. Why are politicians very similar to major league and professional sports executive front office types? And we're just going to reminisce Trump and Cruz and their battles from a couple years ago. Oh, and I forget, failed to mention on the front end, the new super deluxe song, from Nick Lutzko, I was already planning on going down this road, and then he put a song together, mashing up the stuff like he normally does. I'll play it in its entirety also. Coming up next, this is the Weekly Dose for October 24th, 2018, and I'll be right back.
convinced that this country is founded on the basis of a lie. Been lying to each other since 1776. We've been lying to each other since 1492, potentially. We like lying. We enjoy lying. Lying releases endorphins or whatever the hell that's called when you get excited. Oh, who's lying? Who's telling lies? Who did this? Who did that? Who's sleeping with who? Oh my god, oh my god. Trump is lying. Cruz, Ted Cruz is lying. Barack Obama's lying. Your mother's lying. Your brother's lying. Your sister's lying. Your best friend lied. That girl you slept with the other day, she lied. That dude you woke up with, he lied. Seriously. We're kind of a nation built on lies. We like lying. We enjoy it. We like catching people in lies. We like exposing people for lies. Certainly I do. I think that's fun. And there's a difference between lying and allowing someone to believe something that isn't true. There's different levels of perception. I get that. Um, you know, I jokingly say the you know hashtag white lies matter, black lies matter, all lies matter. A little deception every now and again is one thing. Straight up just saying things that aren't true and manipulating somebody to believe something that isn't true is uh, at times could be looked at as evil, potentially. But to get right into it real quickly, the, uh, the the two teases I've now done in the first 27 minutes of the show or however long this has gone, 26 minutes of the show, is how are politicians like front office executives from uh, Major League Baseball, uh, NBA basketball, uh, National Football League and plenty of other places of power. Uh, this could be true in a lot of different um, industries, but I'm just going to put it specifically to sports because I've seen it and studied it, and studies the wrong word, but just followed it and paid attention to it a, a, most of my adult life, is that executives of professional sports teams know that their shelf life is not long. It's not long because there's no examples of anything you can point to and say, oh, well, maybe I can be like that guy. But the longest run you're ever going to have is 20 years. And more realistically, the run you're going to have as a top executive of a multi-million dollar sports organization is uh, five to 10 years. I mean, I'm making this up right now, but because I don't have any statistics in front of me, but there's a lot of turnover is my point. So when a general manager is running a ball team and he's trying to scope out a map for the next like three to five years, he might sign a 10-year deal to a superstar for $300 million. I'm looking at you, Bryce Harper, or Manny Machado in Major League Baseball world, which is about to happen to both those players. And there's a very good chance that whoever signs them, the general manager of that organization will not be the general manager of that organization by the end of that 10-year contract. So while you're still trying to win today, you're sacrificing the future potentially, the financial uh, stability and health of the organization, you're, you're sacrificing that down the road to win today. And why are you doing that? Because you don't think you'll be around in 10 years, so who really cares? See where I'm going here? That's the same thing that's happening in the political world. And what would fix that is term limits across the board. I mean, I, I don't understand. I mean, I'm, I'm being maybe dumb guy here. We have term limits in, in many 
political positions. And then we have many that are lifelong. Um, you know, Congress is forever and, and, and governors are not and presidents are not. Senators, is there a, I, I'm, I'm honestly dumb guy. I can't remember if senators have a, uh, have term limits. They might not. United States senators. If they're not, they still they get to hold their seat for a while. Point is, whether it's 20 years or 30 years or 10 years, these politicians, whether it's because of term limits or because of just the fact that oftentimes there's not many that are lifelong, but well, I guess there are many, but I'd have to break those those percentages down. But the thought is you might not be here later on, so who really cares about the deficit? Because nobody cares about the deficit. So over $20 trillion now, it'll be $21 trillion next year, and 22 the year after that, 23 the year after that. Trump doesn't care about the deficit. He's not going to be president in hopefully two years from now, but he's sure as hell not going to be the president six years from now, and then he'll be damn near 80, and 16 years from now he might not even be alive anymore. So why would he care about the deficit? And why would your congressmen care about the deficit? And why would your, you know, your United States senators care about the deficit? Because it's not going to affect them as far as from a, a voting and working relationship they're going to have with the public because they're not going to have that anymore further down the road. And that's one of the biggest problems we have is only focusing in on the here and now. And as I've always said, it's not the politicians that are necessarily stupid. It's the constituents. Their constituents are fucking idiots. And so they have... To, they have to formulate their messages, their uh, their political rallies. Hence, look at Trump's numb nuts filled rallies. He has to he has to he has to facilitate to the to the to the dullards. And I think on on many levels that's true all the time. And there's others that are not as dumb, but most of the time the constituents are idiots, and the politicians have to play to their constituents, or they're not going to get reelected. And just like the general manager doesn't care about the 10-year deal that's going to bankrupt the team down the road, the, 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 the politician doesn't care about whatever the long-term ramifications are on the bill that's being signed today so they can go, get online and get on TV and get on the radio and get on your social media and blast all these, these, uh, these political ads that are generally filled with lies. And if not lies manipulated, deceptive messages that aren't true, which are just as bad as lies. So that got me thinking some about Cruz and Trump and how they were hanging out on Monday. I pulled the the video and audio. It's so fucking long. I couldn't stick with it. I wanted to find some audio from it. I just could, I didn't have the time or the patience. Uh, but I did get, dig back into the old, uh, the old vault here at the uh, Stone On Air Studios, which is my house in East Ridge and my computers here and found some old audio and thought I'd have some fun with it. I have five clips of these two talking about each other, more Trump than Cruz. But then at the end, I also have one I made. I just try to have a little fun with. And then after that, I'm going to get to Nick Letzko's super deluxe song. That is just so freaking perfect. Nick Letzko does it again. So let's get to Cruz and Trump revisited from two years ago. Where's my sheet that's got the stuff like that? There it is. Track one. Trump track one. Well, Trump goes on. Wasn't just a nasty woman for Hillary. Well, Ted Cruz was a nasty guy, and he doesn't have any friends. <laughs> Remember that we have a, 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 a presidential primary campaign where one of the guys is saying, that guy's a nasty guy, and he doesn't have any friends. Uh, he's a nasty guy. People don't like him. Think of it. You're a United <laughs> States senator. You have a lot of friends that are in the Senate, or in his case, he doesn't have any friends. You don't have one endorsement from one U.S. senator. These are the people that work with him. How can that be possible? <laughs> Ted Cruz doesn't have any friends, according to Don Trump in the 2016 GOP primary. Trump goes on to talk about the Bible, and I do agree with Trump on this hiding behind the Bible so you can continue to lie is wrong. And um, it's not just Ted Cruz that does it, but Trump's not wrong here. You can't lie and then hold up the Bible, okay? He consistently lies. What he did to Ben Carson was a disgrace. What he did with the voter violation form, which is a fraud, is a disgrace. And you can't do that. You can't hold up all of these values and hold up the Bible and then lie. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely 100% agree with that. And that's what makes the Trump base, the uh, MAGA types, 
the, exposes the uh, religious Christianity, Christianity uh, frauds that they are. Here's my Bible. I lie all the time. You know, I I think it's been actually kind of fun to see that the last couple of years. And the third track I have here, this is from the debates themselves, continuing to call Ted Cruz a liar, saying he has uh, no endorsements, he's a liar, and all the same kind of things. This guy lied. Let me just tell you, this guy lied about Ben Carson when he took votes away from Ben Carson in Iowa, and he just continues. This guy will say anything. Nasty guy. Now I know why he doesn't have one endorsement from any right. of his colleagues. All right, Judge. Why Donald, do you lie? Donald, why adults do you lie? learn not to interrupt right, you. Why Donald, do you lie? Donald learned. You pushed him. Donald, adults learn not to interrupt you. Yeah, yeah, I know. You're an All adult. Right. Can you believe that this stuff was going on every uh, couple of months for like a year? It's hard to believe that that was over, you know, well, well, yeah, I guess it was over two years ago. And it it seems, I mean, we still see just a bizarro world unfold in front of us every day. But that was just, I don't know, that was like the prep leading up to this to where we just all sat there and thought, this isn't really happening, is it? This is Ted Cruz when he goes on the defensive and goes after uh, Donald Trump during the... Uh, during the primary season in 2016. Everything in Donald's world is about Donald. If you hooked him up to a lie detector test, he could say one thing in the morning, one thing at noon, and one thing in the evening, all contradictory, and he'd pass the lie detector test each time. Whatever lie he's telling, at that minute, he believes it. The man is utterly amoral. Morality does not exist for him. Donald is a bully. You know, we just visited with fifth graders. Every one of us knew bullies in elementary school. Bullies don't come from strength. Bullies come from weakness. Bullies come from a deep, yawning cavern of insecurity. There is a reason Donald builds giant buildings and puts his name on them everywhere he goes. There are millions of people in this country who are angry. They're angry at Washington. They're angry at politicians who've lied to them. I understand that anger. And Donald is cynically exploiting that anger and he is lying to his supporters. And to a certain degree, Ted Cruz is not wrong there either. He goes on for about five total minutes in in that one, and he really uh, lets them have it. And but that but now we're the best of friends. Now there's a a bromance, as uh, as Trump says at some point here recently. I, I caught on a blurb. It's um it's 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 unbelievable. And and the attention spans of the constituents are so short and and the the level of concern and genuine care genuine um deep real critical thought on the things that these that these wannabes and real actual elected politicians say and do and how they act and what they actually believe in and what they actually stand for is so close to next to nothing I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand what to think about the electorate right now. I don't know what to think about all the years of people not voting. I don't know what to think about all the years of people who do vote who then blindly look away from the lying bullshit that they continue to hear from the people that they're voting for. It's just, it's just bizarre. And so in the final clip that I put together here, this is just me having some fun. Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. I did a quick mashup. My bad. This is a short little just uh, mashup just to kind of put the wraps on the Cruz-Trump heated battle from two years ago. But now they're the best of friends. If I could say, you know, remember Lion, Lion? I won't say Lion Ted. I refuse to say. Lion Ted. Holds that Bible high, puts it down, and then he lies. Donald is a bully. The man is utterly amoral. I think he's crazy. I, honestly, I think he's crazy. <laughs> this man is a pathological liar, a narcissist at a level I don't think this country's ever seen. He is choking like a dog because he's losing so badly. We have to put him away tomorrow. But you mess with my wife, you mess with my kids, that'll do it every time. Donald, you're a sniveling coward and leave Heidi the hell alone. Have you ever been involved with somebody in your life where you called each other names, hated each other for real, and then somehow because of some kind of binding situation that worked out for everybody involved, you just pretended to be friends? Actually, we probably all maybe have. Maybe. Maybe the American 
political system is a, I don't want to say microcosm, um, even though that might be the correct word to use, but maybe it is some kind of example of the way that we all operate. We're going to do whatever it takes to make things work out for us, and it doesn't matter the morality, the, uh, what am I trying to say, the respect, the all the things that we pretended to value maybe aren't actually as valuable as we um, as we all collectively once thought. And this was the final one I put together where I just kind of have a little fun with audio. Will you support him as the nominee? I'm going to beat him. No! He's leading right now. You Donald just looked Trump in that camera and said he's a coward. Will you support him as the nominee? Donald Trump will not be the nominee. Wrong. Donald Trump is such a narcissist that Barack Obama looks at him and goes, Dude, what's your problem? Dude. 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 I guess you've got a point there. I'm the dude. So that's what you call me, you know? Uh, that or uh, his dudeness or uh, duder or, uh, you know, El Duderino, if you're not into the whole brevity thing. I don't really know exactly what I was doing there because I was just cutting up clips and Ted Cruz said dude. And then I thought about Trey and Matt from South Park saying dude and then the dude. And uh, uh, since I spent a few minutes put together, I'm going to play it again. Will you support him as the nominee? I'm going to beat him. No! He's leading right now. You Donald just looked in that Trump camera and said he's a coward. Will you support him as the nominee? Donald Trump will not be the nominee. Wrong. Donald Trump is such a narcissist that Barack Obama looks at him and goes, Dude, what's your problem? Dude. 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 Well, I guess you've got a point there. I'm the dude. So that's what you call me, you know? Uh, that or uh, his dudeness or... Uh, Duder or, uh, you know, El Duderino, if you're not into the whole brevity thing. And so what is my uh, greater point here? I think the, the greatest point of this segment is that this country is a bunch of liars. And I don't think that this country really cares all that much about integrity or the truth or uh, morality. I just don't. And I'm, I mean... I'm only upset about that because of all the people who have said they do care about those things for all these generations. I'm only going by what I was kind of raised upon and, and taught through religious teaching and uh, middle class uh, upbringing through education and, and family values and all those kinds of things. Now, I'm not saying I bought, bought into them at the time and even practiced it. I'm just telling you what everybody else told me I was supposed to believe. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I might be okay with it all. I'm just trying to figure it out. And really, I, I've, I've talked about it before in the past, and I'm going to get to Nick's thing here in just a second. The, the best commercial to sum up how ridiculous that I think that our, our, our just overall society is is a commercial several years ago. It's probably for a credit card. It might have been for a car. Who knows? Some kind of lifestyle commercial where moms with daughter and dads with son or maybe even mixed match uh, mom with son and dad with daughter and they're out doing things that the other one mother or father would not have approved of and the gist of the commercial was don't tell mom don't tell dad hey we're about to do this and mom's not gonna like make sure you don't tell her hey we're about to do this well you know your father won't like don't tell her you know why that commercial is effective you know why it's uh it's humorous you know why it works it's because it's true. It's because we're conditioned to lie to each other, lie about this, lie about that, and uh, that's why we don't care. It would, To me, it would be clear that we don't care about our politicians being constant liars as long as our, our ideology is being most met. That's what we're most in, uh, interested in. Anyway, all right, so this was Nick's latest. I'm gonna play. It's a little less than two minutes. I'm going to go ahead and play the whole thing because it's just so good, and it's a lot of the same stuff we just heard. I don't remember what it's called. I don't remember why he did it other than he does so many of these super deluxe mashups. At the end, it, the, the, the fade out is Donald Trump is a bully. Ted Cruz is a pussy. Ted Cruz is a pussy. Lion Ted is a pussy. Donald Trump is a bully. It is, uh, it's incredible stuff. Nick Let's Go does it again. In the case of Lion Ted Cruz. Donald 
<laughs> there it is. It's a bully. Lion Ted is a pussy. Why you're not going to win the lottery coming up next. Stone on air. We'll be right back. Oh, darling, what juicy gossip I have for all listeners. So many people feeling the lottery fever. I'm going to go out and get my ticket as oh, soon as yeah. the show's over. Nearly a billion dollars up for grabs, and that's just the Mega Millions. Tuesday night's Mega Millions lottery drawing will be for the biggest jackpot in U.S. history. An estimated $1.6 billion. We could make trillions. Why make trillions when we could make... Billion? On the lottery... A color TV and a bottle of French perfume. When I win the lottery, gonna donate half my money to the city. So they have to name a street or a school or a park after me. When I win the lottery. That's Camper Van Beethoven from the late 80s, an absolutely brilliant song that I'm going to read the lyrics to you before I get out of here. And I don't have a huge point here other than I I am a libertarian at heart, at the very core of my soul. I am a libertarian. I think you, you do you and I'll do me. And as long as we're not um, bothering other people, affecting other people's health, other people's safety, um, as long as we're not an overall just complete nuisance in life and a law-abiding citizen, I think you should be left to your own vices. So, and I I think that the majority of people who are level-headed that I know, and this isn't even I think, these are the people that I actually do know, but my Republican friends, my Democrat friends, I mean, people who are for real, true, and understand what's going on around them are libertarians. The problem is, is there's no ticket that, that can support this um, th- this kind of ideology. And the main reason that I've always said that I don't come right out and say all the time that I'm a libertarian is because I don't think libertarian practice works unless you have a majority of everybody on board to play along. And I don't believe that it's ever going to be possible to get the majority of anybody on board to do anything. So I think that the libertarian concept of, uh, of, of way of practicing your life is neat to talk about. In theory, it's fun, but it's not real in reality. And that's why I tend to just stick with what, at least what is a semblance of Reality, And so when I have these arguments of, of what you should or shouldn't do, what should or shouldn't be legal, whether it be on the radio shows back in the day at the at the old crappy talk station or on message boards online or even now these days into social media, which I don't get into ideological debates on social media. I just don't. I might read some occasionally, but I don't get into that fire. I generally want everybody to be allowed to do whatever it is they want to do for the most part. But the one thing I really, really am against is gambling. I don't like gambling. I don't like I don't like the lottery. I don't like anything about wagering. I think it compromises everything. I think it uh, poisons any kind of um, uh, environment that you're in, whether it's sports betting or casinos or any kind. I think it, it fits right into organized crime. I think it is as dangerous as anything from drug usage to uh, sex addiction to whatever the whatever you know kind of vices are out there that really grab people and ruin their lives. I think that gambling is right there at the top of a destructive behavior. I don't like it. I don't. I don't. For me, from my personal views and how I live my life, I've never put a wager on anything. I've never bought a lottery ticket. I think I actually take that back. I think I bought one or two scratch off lucky sevens twenty some odd years ago in Georgia before it was even illegal in it was legal in Tennessee. So I don't want to be totally, you know, saying I never have, but I basically never have gambled. I've never maybe a couple of parlay sheets. Five bucks wins you hundred if you pick five games. But not in the last, you know, decade and a half, and certainly not with any regularity for 20 to 22, 3, 4, however many years that I've been, you know, legal to do such a thing. I hate it. I hate gambling, and you're not going to win 
the lottery, and it is a tax on the poor and the money that it funds. Oh, that's the big thing. Oh, well, it funds education. Yeah, it funds middle class to upper class education that could already be afforded very likely in many cases by the people who are benefiting from this extra money that is coming from people who are downtrodden and do not have the money to throw away. But because of their the environment that they're in and the culture in which they've been raised, that thrill of the chance that maybe we can win, maybe this is the day. Maybe this is the day Willy Wonka gets the, the, the golden ticket. Maybe this is the day that it works. Is uh, It's a false reality, and it is a tax on the poor, and it is, um, it is, it, it is, it's a falsified vision of how things might be able to work out for you. That maybe j- this is the day that everything turns around. And that's just not how life works. And that's not how America works. And I think everybody understands that. But I think a lot of times, because you see that number, one point something billion, trillion, umpteen billion, accountable jillion dollars. Oh, we got to go buy tickets. You're throwing your money away. And, and, and that money's not going to go to anything that truly benefits you. It's just going to go to a pool of a bunch of money that's likely going to destroy more lives. I hate the lottery. Have I been clear on this at this point? So a couple of things real quick, and we'll get out of here shortly, and then I'm going to read you those lyrics from When I Win the Lottery from Camper Van Beethoven. You're not going to win the lottery, you fool. It's from Gawkers from a few years ago. Here we will pass along to you something that you already know. You are not going to win the lottery. Your lucky numbers are not going to hit. Your investment in lottery tickets is not going to pay off. Envision a beach full of sand. Then we tell you, pick up the one grain of sand I'm thinking of or I will kill you. What do you do? Well, you probably call the police, and rightly so, because you know that your chance of selecting a single correct grain of sand on an entire beach is virtually impossible. And also, who but a crazy person goes around saying things like that to people? This is what mathematicians call, quote, a metaphor for the lottery. Your chances of hitting the mega millions are 176 million to one. That means you will not hit the mega millions. It goes on to bounce around to a few other things. This is the tail end where it talks about office pools. And I've been in these for years and I used to buy into it forever ago because I was like, well, if everybody else wins, I'd hate to be the one that doesn't win. And as everybody walks out of the office, well, hey, if I'm not at work tomorrow, uh, you'll know why. Just shut up, Dullard. Get out of here, numb nuts. Come up with some new material, you idiot. We do this every time. The last of this piece. Here in our office, there is a lottery pool. If you want in on the winnings, come give me five bucks before Friday, they say. You know what I say to that? Uh, Yeah, no. Uh, I say, I don't want in on the winnings because it's more like the losings. I can assume all of you out there, our office lottery pool will not be winning the lottery, and neither will you. And I'll still have my five bucks. I had several things printed off, but um, there weren't reasons to get into a whole bunch of them. But this is one I found uh, more recent in the last couple of days uh, this month or last week or so from Kate uh, Maltby from opinion section of CNN.com. Pray that you don't win the billion dollar lottery. This week, the winners of two high rolling lottery jackpots may get to live out their own big spending fantasies. Today's Mega Million drawings currently stands at $1.6 billion, and Wednesday's lesser Powerball is no snip at $620 million. But in life, as in fiction, there's always still a catch. Is an overnight windfall of this magnitude really worth the hassle? And it goes on for a page and a half, almost two pages, talking about several bizarre stories of people who were killed, people who lost all their money, people who had all kinds of uh, disastrous situations in their life because of winning major lotteries like this. I'm not going to read all that now. If you would like to read it yourself, Kate Maltby from CNN Opinion pray that you don't win the billion-dollar lottery. And I'll just go to the last paragraph of the piece, which I like the most. Given that winning $1.6 billion seems like so much trouble, you might consider passing altogether on this week's game of chance. If these horror stories of a lottery curse don't put you off, consider the old moral arguments. Lottery tickets are primarily bought in poor neighborhoods by people who can't afford to throw their money away. Even if your Powerball purchase this week is a one-off flutter, 
you're still fueling an industry powered by perpetuating gambling addictions. But if you've really got to play this week, enjoy the thrill. Cross your fingers and count your lucky stars and pray that you don't win. And so I'm not trying to be a hater on it. It's just that you're not going to win, and it's an industry fueled by taxing the poor and the less fortunate. And it is a it is a disease and an addiction that is as destructive as any drug you've ever thought about taking. I've been doing drugs off and on my entire life. I've been in I've been uh, you know toxically poisoning my body for twenty some odd years, and it's not anything. That's just to the level that sometimes a gambling addiction can be on people's livelihoods, their finances, their families. It's 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 serious stuff. I'm not saying don't gamble. I'm just I'm just saying don't act like it's no big deal. Don't don't act like it's just something that people do to pass some time because it is more complicated than that. And on the way out the door for this week's show, the Weekly Dose for October 24th, 2018. The lyrics from this song that'll be kind of coming up in the background, When I Win the Lottery, is by Camper Van Beethoven, David Lowry's band before he started Cracker in the early 1990s. Well, I lost an eye in Mexico. I lost two teeth where I don't know. People see me coming and they move to the other side of the road. I robbed a liquor store or two. I made myself at home a few times. Borrowed myself a car when I needed it. I got me a shack at the bottom of the road, fixing cars and giving toes. And I spend all my money on the lottery. And when I win the lottery, I'm going to buy all the girls on my block, color TV and a bottle of French perfume. Because when I win the lottery. Going to donate half my money to the city so they have to name a street or a school or a park after me is when I win the lottery. Never ran a flag up a pole like Mr. Red, White, and Blue down the road, but I never call myself a hero for killing a known communist. Now I could walk into any old bar and find a fight without looking too hard, but I never killed someone I don't know just because someone told me to. And when I win the lottery, I'm going to buy the house next to Mr. Red... White and blue And when I win the lottery Gonna buy post 306 American Legion And paint it red with five gold stars When I win the lottery When the end comes to this old world The righteous will cry and the rest will curl up And God won't take the time To sort your ashes from mine Cause we zig and zag between good and bad Stumble and fall on right and wrong Cause a tumbling dice with the luck of the draw just leads us on. And when I win the lottery, gonna buy all the girls on my block, silver plated six shooters and a quart of the finest Highland Scotch. Cause when I win the lottery, the righteous will shake their heads and say that God is good, but surely works in mysterious ways. It's when I win the lottery. All right, that's all I got, guys and gals. Thank you so much for finding the podcast. See you on the radio, 3 o'clock, Monday through Friday on Alt 98.7. And we'll do it again on, let's see, what is next week? Is that Halloween? Is that is that All Hallows' Eve or All Hallows' Ween? Oh, it will drop on Halloween morning. And boy, do I love Halloween. And by that, I mean I don't like Halloween at all. So y'all have a great week. We'll do it again uh, next week. See you later. Bye.